0: name is dan welling and we're going back in the time machine to december of 2002 yes indeed the end is here and what better way to close the book on a tumultuous year for wwe in style with the hardest working man in wrestling by my side once again Davinda vargas Davinda, how are you doing
1: what's going on man that's a hell of an introduction i the hardest working man in wrestling i i feel like there's a lot more i should be doing but i'm so, I'm so glad to be here with you dan um, hope you're doing well. I'm sure you are, because it's it's evident with your last name. Um, but I am excited <laughs> to, uh, to just talk uh, some wrestling with you, and and uh, and a a solid pay-per-view. But we'll we'll get into that
0: in a second. We will indeed. Uh, but first things first. Could you please kick us off with the end-of-year news headlines? Definitely Goldberg mania, then. Yes. So in the midst of decreasing fan interest across the year, WWE is looking to pull out all the stops for WrestleMania season. After burning through almost all the, of the WCW main event talent at their disposal post-invasion acquisition, the biggest ace that has yet to show up is one Bill Goldberg. And WWE has begun discussions with Goldberg and his representatives about joining the company in time for the granddaddy of the mall in Seattle in March. At this stage, sources close to Goldberg say no deal has been struck and negotiations are very much at the early stages. But the, t- the company are hopeful that a one-off super match with The Rock will do similar buzz and numbers as the Brahma Bulls match with Hulk Hogan did at WrestleMania 18 in March. Uh, one major issue going forward is Goldberg has always made it clear he doesn't want to go on the road full time and is keen to pick and choose big money options in Japan, especially with All Japan Pro Wrestling. Previously, WWE played hardball as far as requiring Goldberg to work a normal schedule rather than just the big events. As to not upset the larger, room, larger locker room of wrestlers who work the full-time schedule, only to see Goldberg leapfrog them on pay-per-view.
1: WWE sets eyes abroad.
0: Vincent Mann is said to be very frustrated with his inability to get the mainstream viewers of wrestling back and is said to be admitting hes running out of ideas to bring them back. Well, he's tried fucking enough of them. He has already declared that hot shot shock angles don't work again. he's tried quite a lot of them this year, and that is why he seems to be willing to bend when it comes to circumstances of bringing Goldberg in and so with domestic business sagging the WWE plans to expand its overseas schedule from four tours this year to eight next year, with locations including Europe, Asia, Australia, Africa, and South America. So a real big worldwide tour. Uh, With TV ratings continuing to fall to levels seen in mid-late 1997, and other KPIs like live attendance, pay-per-view, and merch revenue are also really disappointing. It says US interest in WWE is down in all categories, but as usual, the WWE during these times in the US they are looking to capitalize on demand with live events overseas. Overseas events are much more expensive to run and a bigger hassle overall for the company but when US business is down it is ultimately more profitable to expand the number of overseas events. So we may may not be just seeing UK specific pay-per-views like Insurrection and uh, Rebellion but we also may be getting them in Australia, South Africa and maybe even Argentina. So uh, the crisis will be very busy next year with their region-specific pay-per-view reviews.
1: Armageddon 2002, two more new champs.
0: After an almost complete reset of champions at Survivor Series last month, we saw two new world champions crowned at Armageddon. Triple H regained the World Heavyweight title after beating Shawn Michaels in a hot-shotted two-out-of-three-falls-slash-three-stages-of-hell match, this stipulation was only added six days before the show, yet this was semi anticipated with HBK status still up in the air. But we also got a brand new WWE champion, but his name isn't Brock Lesnar. No, Kurt Angle is now the free time champ after pinning the big show for the belt after interference from the former champ. Uh, we'll guide you through all the comings and goings on SmackDown's main event scene throughout the show, but it is still very much a tangled web that has been woven
1: your regularly scheduled Austin
0: update. So Austin has cleared up his legal situation stemming from his conviction against his wife, Deborah, for domestic assault, as we discussed in previous episodes throughout the year. With that now cleared up, Austin has begun to turn his attention back to professional life. In recent weeks, talks have begun between Austin, Vince and Jim Ross. Vincent Mann said Steve Austin will return to WWE in-ring action in 2003 with WWE management confident, Austin will be part of WrestleMania and perhaps will return full time early next year, beginning with the Raw anniversary special in January, ideally as a setup for his return in time for WrestleMania. Although The Rock is the current favourite to challenge Goldberg at Mania, a dream match with Austin could also be on the table for the former WWE star, or we could even get Austin versus Rock free. It remains to be seen, but once again, I'm not touching this situation until he's fully back on our TV. So I hope I'm not involved in that show because good God, it's going to be awkward. So before we run into the pay-per-view review of Armageddon 2002, I think it's probably good that we reference just how Kurt Angle ended up in the main event of Armageddon against the Big Show for the WWE title. Obviously, from last month, Brock Lesnar was suspended, so it couldn't be him. And with him dealing with a rib injury, he was never likely to be part of the main event anyway so we need the title challenger and what better way to find out who's going to be that man than a face to form match involving four of the best wrestlers in SmackDown's roster for the last four or five months Eddie Guerrero Chris Benoit Edge and of course Kurt Angle this was the main event of the show and is a late runner in my opinion for match of the year and what would you expect from again four of the most informed wrestlers that you could get in the company right now involving Ben and Angle who obviously are two of the best Eddie Guerrero who is just incredibly all well rounded wrestler and arguably one of the hottest baby faces right now in the company in Edge who I don't know about you Davinda, but these these four and you can add in Chava Guerrero you can add in Rey Mysterio you can add in know, potentially the the cruiserweights as well but they've they've really have been an absolute shining light for smackdown in the last two or three months in particular and it's again it's just showcasing this this year with with that main event
1: no as a fan it's just awesome to see every week that you're just going to see great wrestling uh any one of these men have years and years of experience and a uh, complete resume of awesome matches you can go back to. What it also helps is that it helps SmackDown give its own identity. I feel like you go to Raw for the big production stuff and you go to SmackDown for the just gritty wrestling. And, and these, these guys are just gritty wrestlers. Uh, a few of them, uh, Benoit uh, Guerrero, uh, particularly uh, Mysterio have the ECW background and WCW. There there are years and years of experience between all of them, and um, it really helps Edge in this brand split because it allows more focus on him as a singles wrestler. That I feel he's just he just keeps growing and growing, and growing, and the trajectory for his career just looks great. Um, Angle is one of my favorite wrestlers at the time right now. Um, and it, it was just a great match where everybody clocked in everybody got their work in and you know usually with multi man matches you have a a, a disguised 1 on 1 match while the other guys are knocked out in the outside of the ring but in this case a lot of the times everybody was in the ring and just hitting moves on each other it was very fast paced very exciting and um the i feel like the right one or one
0: absolutely absolutely and with that, absolute highlight out of the way, briefly discussed, and again, I'm pretty sure three of these men will be discussed in the end of year awards, and we may have some space for Eddie Guerrero as well. But yeah, I, I echo everything you just said. These these four men, plus some of the other guys as well if have made Smackdown, a much more entertaining, for my opinion anyway, show to watch than what we get on Monday nights. But anyway, we will now move over to Armageddon 2002, Davinda, if you could uh, run through the results, that would be much appreciated.
1: So uh, Booker T and Goldust defeated Chris Jericho and Christian, Lance Storm and William Regal and the Dudley Boys in a fatal four-way elimination tag team match for the World Tag Team Championships. Edge defeated Adrian by disqualification. Chris Benoit defeated Eddie Guerrero by submission. Batista defeated Kane with the help of Ric Flair. Victoria defeated Trish Stratus and Jacqueline in a triple threat match for the Women's Championship. Kurt Angle defeated Big Show for the WWE Championship. And Triple H defeated Shawn Michaels two falls to one in a three stages of hell match for the World Heavyweight Championship.
0: So for the final time of 2002, uh, Devinder, what did you make of this uh, pay-per-view from the WWE?
1: I feel like it was a solid pay-per-view. I, I, I'm a very. Uh, I try my best not to complain. There are a few things that I may not agree with, but the in the in ring work was great. Um, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, those guys just knock it out the park every time. Guerrero and Benoit, I can watch that every day, twice on Sunday. I feel like it was a solid pay per view. There are some movements being done with some characters. Um, I see the storylines progressing, but yeah, I, I felt I felt good watching this. I wouldn't say like. Holy crap. But I, I was very satisfied after watching this pay per view.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with the solid rating. I mean, there's there's definitely stuff on here that is questionable. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Um yeah. but there's there's plenty of good stuff in this show, particularly in the first third and maybe the half if you want to be generous to say this is this is this was worth your money. But I don't, but at the same time, it's a December show. When do December pay-per-views ever knock it out of the park to become a show of the year territory? And for, for December show, I think this was perfectly reasonable, perfectly serviceable pay-per-view with places moving in the chessboard to make potentially WrestleMania a, a, a good a good show. So we'll kick us off with the, as mentioned, four-way tag match for the World Tag Team Championships. Uh, With the Dudley boys Lance Storm and William Regal taking on Booker T and Goldust and the reigning champions Chris Jericho and Christian I'm still annoyed that the Dudley boys aren't on Smackdown but there's still time for some trades to happen because can we please have some Dudley boys Los Guerreros dream matches but anyway Bubba and Storm start but we get some quick tags so everyone can do their stuff in the ring uh with my particular favorite interaction between Chris Jericho and Goldust Bubba and Goldust actually hit the champions with stereo punches, jabs and the balletic elbow in reference to the American Dream. Devon hits the what's up, bud, a huge multi-man brawl ensues shoes before Devon is told to get the tables. Christian hits the, gets hit with the 3D, but Regal has blind tagged himself in. Storm jumps off the, rock, off the top rope on Bubba with a leg drop and Regal pins Bubba, but the, that momentum caused him to sleep. And over, and Regal had to pin Bubba again to get the pinfall in a bit of a weird spot. The Dudleys are gone, but quickly after, Regal is eliminated by Goldust's sweep, sweet snap power slam. So we're down to Chris Jericho and Christian versus the crowd favourites of Booker T and Goldust. Goldust hits a jumping hip attack on Jericho, followed by Booker tagging in with punches. Goldust is back in. He holds Jericho and Booker T hits him with a jumping sidekick into a spinebuster for a two, with Christian making the save. Goldus hits the floor uppercut, but misses a crossbody block, leading to a bump to the floor. Jericho whips Goldus into the steel steps, and he then him with a flagpole that Regal and Storm port to the ring. Christian with a backbreaker on Goldus for two, with Booker making the save. The fans chant, Christian sucks, which is always a good sign that you're doing something well as a heel. The heels block the hot tag, and uh, we're back to working over the corner. Goldus rallies, leading to a sidewalk sound, which brings Booker into the hot tag against Jericho, and these two work very well together. As Booker hits an impressive sunset fit for two, they trade roll-ups as Jericho avoided a scissors kick and applies the wall to Jericho. Goldust manages to keep his friend from tapping with a bulldog. Christian gets back into the ring and goes up top with a tag team title. Goldust jumps into the ropes to knock Christian down and then Booker sends Christian, uh, Jericho rather, head first into Christian's crotch to knock him off the apron. Booker with a jumping sidekick and a Harlem hangover um, for another two. This then gets which then gets into the thing that the fans want to see. It's the Spinner Rooney, followed by a flatjack. Booker hits the scissors kick, but only for a close two with a slight delay, even after Golda stopped Christian from breaking up the pin. The referee looking at Goldie, Jericho hits Booker T with the title belt and the line salt, but somehow Booker T kicks out. Jericho goes for another title shot. But Booker ducks and straight away hits the bookend, and we have got new tag team champions. Uh, Davinda, how did you see this match?
1: You know, as as I was watching the match, I thought about the brand split and how you, you, the intention was, holy crap, we have so many stars. We need to split this up so we can focus on these guys and get them enough TV time. And then you're sitting, excuse me, you're sitting there after the brand split and you're like, what do we do with everybody? There's still a lot of people, so there is one, um, there is one uh, tag team in this match. Like I'm trying to look for the word, one absolute tag team who have been a tag team throughout their entire careers, and that's the Dudley Boys. Everybody else were two wrestlers that were put together. Despite all that, everybody works so well together. Everybody's such a pro, and it's evident with this match. Um, William Regal and Lance Storm are amazing together. Chris Jericho and Christian have this gel have gelled into this really great tag team that look great together and all of these guys are single stars and including Booker T and Goldas Booker T and Goldas are juxtapositions of each other and um, going to the end of the match I really enjoyed that the last two teams Jericho and Christian with Booker T and Goldas had time to have a a match proper you know like it 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 almost seemed like we're gonna get these other two teams get them in there have some moves have some exciting spots and then we're just gonna have a a regular tag team match between two teams and it did give them a a lot of time um that one pinfall on Bubba ray did seem a little confusing uh and it didn't help that the commentary was also confused because it seemed to me it seemed like there was a kick out like maybe he kicked out right before three but nick patrick almost acted like it was a near fall but then it ended up saying no you guys are eliminated and then so quickly the next elimination happened so you're kind of still thinking about what the hell happened here and oh my god another team just got eliminated um but besides that little hiccup in in the in the match i felt like it was a good a good match um Booker T's just great. Booker T's really good. I, I I was never a huge WCW fan, but I can see why he was such a star over there. And this really is a testament to to an organic growth because Booker T and Goldust were put together as a you know comedy little tag team. But I I I'm assuming, and it's a safe assumption, that WWE saw the reaction they were getting and saw how popular they were getting, and they're like, wait, we got to put the titles on these guys because this is great the people love them and you can tell by the reaction of the of the match and it's going to be interesting to see uh how they fare as how the rain is because you know the the chase is one thing but now when you're on top it's going to be interesting to see if they stay on top and how they do that
0: i really really enjoyed this um it's it's, it's very close to being my match of the night actually when you when i actually think about it because not only do you have very good tag team wrestling with Jericho, Christian, Booker, and Goldust. Um, and the first few minutes are hectic with the Dudleys and Regal and Storm, but ultimately that that finish for the first four was a little bit of a letdown. But like again, let's focus on the positives here. Booker and Goldust are arguably the biggest success story of attack in the tag division this year. And what I mean by that is that they haven't had the they, have, they now feel like a tag team rather than two guys who are singles wrestlers, who are brilliant wrestlers and therefore are a good tag team, which are usually the SmackDown tag division. In the grand scheme of things, I think the story is mostly focused on getting both Booker T and Goldust those belts, um, and especially against a heel team like Jericho and Christian, and you get a good 10 minutes of on their own I think this match was was really good and I'm really happy to see that these two felt like they really deserved this and I think the final stretch was excellent like I could not believe that they kicked, that he kicked out of that line cell belt shot combo as you can probably you can tell from my notes so I thought it was a very very good opener to start the show um, uh,
1: a couple of notes, um what was really cool uh, when you when you say they felt like a tag team it made me think of the post match promo and post-match promos are are a very interesting way to go because i i I feel like i feel like they're just very very um transparent you're catching somebody at a very vulnerable time adrenaline is going emotion is going and you're tired but you're pumped up and what i heard from booker t at that promo everybody was listening you got to go back and watch that post-match promo because I just felt happy for the guy i felt like that was a cathartic moment for him and just he he was pouring out his heart in terms of his career like i feel like maybe he's like oh man you know it hasn't been really working lately and the singles thing you know i was a champion over there but i i haven't gotten the title over here and and i feel like this was a moment for him um probably one of the checkpoints for him in his career uh now going into a tag team um considering he was in a tag team in WCW, but it's really working for him. And that post-match promo uh, did a lot. And this, you know, this, when you mentioned the teams, this this match really showed the depth of the tag team division in Raw. And I'm just excited to see more matches
0: in the future. God, April, May time, when we had Billy and Chuck taking on Maven and Al Snow for the titles. And now we've got these four ta- these four teams. We've also got the SmackDown Six, effectively. And any, you know, still three minute warning who are, you know, by all accounts and very good athletic tag team on role as well. So there are definitely signs that that tag division that we was gutted in the spring of this year is starting now to get back on track, which is excellent. And for all of you listeners wondering what that promo was, I'll play it in right now. But what a victory
2: for the new champ. Goldust, but Goldust, a lot of people. Thought that you guys didn't have what it takes to bring home the gold. But after what we just saw thought-
3: Check it out, man. A lot of people like you didn't give us a chance. But everybody right here, everybody in this arena, they believe in Goldie and Booker T. And Goldie, check it out. You ain't. The Week Leak. Check it out right now. You're one half of the world tag team champions. Now can you dig that sucker?
0: After that promo, Josh Matthews from Tough Enough interviews Brock Lesnar. Brock asks who he is. Before he says he intends to make an impact tonight. wonder who that will be against. Up next, it's Edge versus the newly rechristened A-Train, formerly known as Albert from TNA. Yes, in that uh, Fatal Forme match that we talked about at the start of the show, A-Train attacked Edge before the match, uh, taking an insult on his legs, which has led to this match. The fans chanted, shave your back straight away at the new Christian A-Train, as the two men exchange basic speed versus power moves. A-Train works over Edge with punches, followed by a catapult that sent Edge neck first into the middle of rope. Edge recovers, hits a spinning wheel kick and a jawbreaker. He goes up top, but A-Train hits his lovely bicycle kick to the head for a two. A-Train looks to repeat the trick. It grabs a steel chair, but Edge counters with a baseball slide. He then gets a two of a cross body and kicks out of A-Train's boulder bomb. A-Train's mad and grabs a steel chair again. As he tries to use it, Edge hits a spear, but can only get two. Third time's the charm, though, for A-Train, as he finally gets hold of the chair and hits Edge right in the bad right knee and loses by DQ. Edge gets his heat back, though, as he gets revenge on A-Train with a chair attack, including a very hard headshot, which is never nice to see. Uh, D, any, any thoughts on this match other than it was okay?
1: It was okay, and maybe a little bit a little bit better than okay. I'm interested to see what they do with A Train. Um, it seems like they're investing some time in him, putting him with the right people. If they just changed his name and his theme and his presentation, and then put him against, I don't know, Maven or like <laughs> for years or something, it would have been like, oh, here's another like you know monster heel just going through the squash matches but um it was a competitive match the only thing is that i wish it would have been a clean win for a train if the trajectory is elevating him in the roster but the disqualification made sense uh he's a no nonsense don't really care about the result kind of guy i just want to hurt people and um we'll see how that goes i don't want to say it out loud but we're close to wrestlemania season if they're building up a guy who's a very athletic guy and i always liked them in tna tna was uh, tna was one of my favorite tag teams because they were just big athletic guys unassumingly athletic and um he's a solid worker that 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 double hand choke hold to the to the sit down powerbomb is a great thing to see. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do to him what they do with him in the future um but yeah a little better than okay solid match edge edge uh edge is a great opponent to have and albert's doing his thing he's, he's uh holding up his end of the deal
0: yeah i mean i'll I'll stick with okay i mean it was it was pretty basic <laughs> it's pretty basic from where i was apparently there's quite a lot of bats they cheat about this uh decision to to accelerate a trains push up the cards considering the original plan was meant to be for this to be Matt Hardy but Vince will always go for big hairy men rather than medium-sized hairy men so there we go and yeah I mean look I I, I understand where you're coming from about trying to give a train the clean win but I think edge is is too valued to be losing to a newly rechristened you know, Carter, You know, effectively, he, he he's not a, a big show level talent at the minute. That's that's for that way. So, I yeah. I, I, well, don't I mean, if- would, he be, would he
1: be hurt by by a loss? I mean, I'd he'd still be fine. It's an edge. He can easily bounce back. See, I, it, it's always it's always a tricky thing when you have somebody who's you know on a higher level of somebody. Is it is it you know working with A train is beneath him or is is A train have a great opportunity working with somebody like edge edge i I don't feel like he would be he would you know lose anything with a clean loss and it would just elevate albert or excuse me atrian more i don't want his hairy ass to come after
0: me but i want to get his name right backstage big show is with paul Heyman outside stephanie mcmahon's locker room Big Show said he knows that Brock Lesnar is going to be in Kurt Angle's corner tonight and he wants to go into Stephanie Mann's office to talk about this and demand this be rescinded. Heyman told Show to let Paul reason with Stephanie himself as he is the agent and Show is the champion. Our next match is the aforementioned Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. More of this, please, I have an exclamation marks before the match even starts. Uh, the two start with standard map Wrestling and very hard chops. Eddie applies a submission on Benoit's arm, then Benoit powers out of it and falls back to a slam, Eddie on the mat in a nice spot. Eddie with a back body drop on Benoit to send him out to the ring, with Benoit falling out awkwardly. Eddie went up top and hits a lovely cross body block on Benoit out to the floor. Back in the ring we go back to submissions, but the pace is slower than I would expect, and the crowd are much quieter for a Benoit-Eddie Guerrero match than I would normally expect. To spice things up, Benoit delivers four German suplexes in a row and then a fifth, which leads to an invasion from the crowd. That wakes them up. Benoit delivers two more German suplexes, seven in total. Eddie ducks a Benoit clothesline into Eddie hitting three German suplexes of his own. He hits the frog splash but only gets two. That's twice now for the frog splash as he was being kicked out of in the last match in the fate of four-way. That's quite a lot of finishes that have also been kicked out of tonight, I'm just saying. Benoit was up against the ropes, so Eddie tackles Benoit through to the ropes to the floor. Eddie distracts the referee in the ring, which leads to Chava Guerrero, hitting Benoit with the title shot to the head. The referee didn't see it, while Eddie brought Benoit back into the ring for another two count. Belt shots also go in the way of the finishes, it seems, as uh, Eddie Guerrero has to have a drop toe hold, leading to the lasso from El Paso. Benoit gets his hand to the bottom rope to break free. Benoit with chops to stun Eddie a bit, followed by Benoit hitting a huge power bomb. The Wolverine goes up for Air Canada, but Eddie again pulls the referee to distract, to distract him so Chavo can attack. Benoit fights him off and knocks Chavo back to the outside before also shoving off Eddie. He connects with his flying headbutt, but before the pin, Eddie grabs his leg and gets the lasso back on. Benoit counters into the crippled crossface, and Eddie taps out and why with the win in just over seventeen minutes. Uh D, any any thoughts on this uh in this match? You have very high praise for it earlier.
1: Yeah, match of the night. Um I loved there are a lot of notes I have on this. Um I loved how in the beginning it just seems like both men are like let's just see who gets the upper hand. Like we're not we're not calling anything here. Let's just go. Um that Matt wrestling that that uh greco style like just trying to get the upper hand kind of deal i just felt like it was those two men just seeing what the other had in them um it was a great match i like the story how um eddie kept you know doing the submissions trying to wear down chris benoit the short arm scissors and then there was a there was a leg lock i believe and then the key lock um taz by the way has been a very educational uh co- uh commentator at the table um I love his analytical approach to commentary and talking about what this move would do to you and naming the moves and just, uh, it, it's it's a great, it, it adds a lot to the match. Um, I, we see a theme going with this, uh, with this show so far, like no clean finishes. Well, I'm sorry, the, 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 the tag team title match had a clean finish, but there's always like some outside deal going on. Chris Jericho tried with the belt, um, a train, you know, with the chair, and then Chavo, I feel as important as he is to the story and, and to the show, I just didn't feel like it was necessary for him to come out. And I can understand the whole come back from behind thing, climb the mountain with all, you know, numbers game and, and everything. But I just I just wish it would have just been both men in the ring. Um despite those little hiccups, I just um that, I mean, well, that one little hiccup, I it was just a great match. It was so good. By the way, Benoit's diving headbutt, um it doesn't even look I saw the replay of it after the 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 match was finished, and it doesn't even look like he turns his head to protect himself. It just looks like he goes face deep into Eddie's uh pec muscle and more dangerously possibly his shoulder bone and I don't know how you do that, and it not hurt, you know um but I'd match it the night for me, and I would just like I said, I'd watch this every day and twice on Sunday.
0: I, I agree that this was match of the night. I wouldn't go as far as calling it great, though, because as I mentioned at the start, it was quite slow. And I think that they went and did a match that was pitched at more you and I levels of like tolerance. And this crowd, who I think, generally weren't a great crowd, which, again, leads to why WWE are panicking so much about the engagement, you know, and. KPIs of live attendances because this if this was done in a 2000 crowd or 2001 crowd, I think they would have bought this a lot easier than a, a more casual audience because they were giving them crickets for the first 10 minutes of this match it takes Chris Benoit to roll out the, the five German suplexes for them to then start waking up and I think you either criticise them for going, we went a little bit too slow with this with the time we had or you give them a lot of credit for going this isn't working that's just go hard now and and change things up to get the crowd back on our side and once they did that this match soared I don't have a problem with Charvo being involved in the match because the whole gimmick about Los Guerreros at the minute is that they are two das of these swines who just will do whatever they can to get wins and there's a match later on in the month with, on SmackDown with with Los Guerreros defending against Edge and Billy Kidman for the titles. And they literally like get disqualified within the first two minutes and walk out. And the referee has to actively say this is a no-DQ, no-counter match because you two won't play ball. So I think this was, in the 17 minutes that they got, I think this was almost as good as they can do. I think they have got another level in them. And it may not be on pay-per-view for... For foreseeable future, but I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if they did this match on SmackDown in two, three weeks, and we get a little bit better with a more receptive crowd. But easily still match the night. It's because it's Chris Benoit versus Reddy Guerrero. Of course it's going to be match the night. Post match, Stephanie and Heyman are back in the office as discussed in the previous segment. She says as of tonight, Brock Lesnar's suspension is lifted, and if he wants to be in Kurt Angle's corner, that's in his decision. There's nothing that she can do to stop it. Up next um, is is not a match of on the on the card, but it's arguably something that was just as heavily promoted as the two te- title matches. It's um, the reveal of what happened in the Toy Wilson Dawn Marie hotel engagement segment. Dawn and our Wilson make their way to the ring, and on that same episode of the Magnificent of Fourway match that we've been talking about throughout the show, the actual show ended with Tori Wilson shown knocking on the door of Dawn Marie's hotel room. Dawn informed Tori that if she does everything Dawn wants, then she will call off the wedding with Al Wilson, her dad. Dawn tried to put um, hands on Tori, who then walked away in disgust. And uh, as we're about to fade to black, Dawn says, I guess you don't love your father after all. We -hmm. then get Tori Wilson walking back towards her as the show fades to black. Now, this show was promoted on but what actually happened when the cameras went off and all the uh, men in attendance would absolutely on fever pitch to understand what happened when we actually get shown, which is something I did not expect. Dawn offers Tory some champagne and some strawberries and um, after reluctantly engaging in a little bit of these things, Dawn undresses and so does Tori and they're both in their underwear and the crowd are going absolutely mad. All men want you, but they can't give you what I can. Only a woman knows how to make another woman feel good, she says to Tori Wilson. Tori has a very frustrated look on her face and Dawn gently kisses Tori on the lips. And as the crowd go absolutely unglued. The footage is frozen and the booze rain down hard. Al doesn't want to see any more of this, but Dawn says we're going to see more as Tory wanted more. We go back to them making out even more in proper French kiss style. After a good 20 seconds of the men in the crowd losing their minds, Al says he's had enough of this. And he didn't give a damn if the fans want to see more. Stop the footage. Dolan says, if Al wants to stop the footage, then they will stop the footage, and the wedding is back on, as Tori is a sexual predator. Uh, D?
3: What the fuck yes. is this? Okay. So,
1: I had two thoughts. First one was like, you know what, I think the guys in the uh, creative team in the office, oh, you know, for the for, for close to two years, they're trying to ask themselves, how are we going to top Mae Young topless at the Royal Rumble? How are we going to get a better moment than that? I got it. Lesbians. And uh, it another thought that I had is that this crowd was going nuts. In a segment that involved Al Wilson, but for the first 10 minutes of Guerrero and Benoit, they had their hands under their asses. (laughs) Jesus, shame on them. Okay. Now, as a a red-blooded American human being man, sure, whatever. But I'm here for wrestling, and that might go against everything. That I biologically believe in. Tori Wilson and Dawn Marie are both very attractive women. And sure, who doesn't want to see them in bras and panties? But man, like, and God bless Al Wilson, that sweet old man. I I don't know how Vince looked at him and said, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna be on our television and you're gonna marry Dawn Marie and and you're gonna sit there you're gonna have to sit there as a father and watch your daughter. In her bra and panties, kiss another woman that she is not remotely romantically attracted to because she is a straight married woman. But this is acting, right? We do entertainment, we put smiles on faces. I don't know if I have anything else to say. It's hmm. like, and there's going to be a wedding that means they're going to take more time from a professional wrestling centric tv show this this soap opera shit and, and you know what i grew up with soap opera shit because i watched hogan and savage and flair and Sav- I, I i get it but that was that was at least good and it was it was it was borderline tasteful it was jealousy and it was uh oh god i didn't think i'd get this worked up over it i'm uh you you know me dan you know me i'm not a complainer but i sat there and i'm like i'm a man and sure that's cool to watch but what the fuck are we doing what are we what people this is a pay-per-view forked out forty dollars and god knows how many pounds you know the currency that you guys use over there across the pond and this is you know if you do the calculation I just wasted like $2.70 on this fucking crap that I'll never see again.
0: And unfortunately, there are some men I, I, who you will watch this over and over. Yeah, and a lot
1: over. of this disagreed with me. And they were sitting next to their wives, and that's going to be a very long drive home. You, t- you talked to me about Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. You told me you were so excited to see the match. You didn't really do anything. But then when the girls came out, right? And now you have to deal with that yourselves. Shame on you. You made your own bed. Now you got to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with the glaring, piercing stare through your soul from your beautiful wife watching you get excited over watching two other women. And this poor old man watching his daughter. That, that's the worst part. I am a father. He has to sit there and he's getting paid. He sold himself. He whored himself out. Hey, you know what? You're gonna get a nice check. We're gonna supplement your retirement, whatever 401k you got going on over there, and we're gonna make you watch your beautiful, very classy daughter kiss another woman in front of thousands of people live. Jesus, and I'm, I know he was probably like, "Oh man, I don't want to see this." But even the acting was terrible. He could have that could have at least been the real acting from from Mr. Wilson, but it wasn't. That sweet old bastard had to sit there and, and watch his daughter. Jesus. Holy crap, Vince. What the fuck? And nobody, nobody in that room said, it might be a bad idea. Nobody. Not one person. How many people are on the creative team? Not one person could have said, oh, you know what? I, I don't know, Vince. I don't know if we should probably. Th-. No, everybody. Oh, that was a fucking great idea, Vince. This is going to be great. We're going to sell so many tickets. The revenue from this, the the return of interest is going to be great. But no, nobody had the balls. Nobody had the grapefruits to say that to Vince McMahon. No, they all. I'm done. I'm good. Thank you. I was
0: going to say if they didn't say no to Triple H shagging a a doll in an open coffin with a cane mask, they're not going to say no to to attractive women in their underwear kissing and making out, are they?
1: It's a very good point. I stand corrected.
0: I mean, we, we just put that in the Pantheon along with the Undertaker where we ran a fully loaded, basically. I have nothing else to add apart from please leave the sex pest Vince McMahon away from the booking table, please. Moving to the actual back to the wrestle portion of the show, we have a debut on the, on the podcast. Making his in-ring debut, it's Dave Batista. The former deacon to Reverend Devon is now flanked by Rick Flair and about to take on Kane. And I would assume that Batista will become the new bodyguard for Triple H in the coming weeks, giving his association with the nature boy. Nothing's beneficial yet, but come on, put two and two together and everything makes four. So Batista shoulder blocks Kane to the map, but the big red machine sits up and closeties him back outside outside, where Flair gives Batista some advice. Kane hits a running power slam, but Batista hits a hot shot and a spear for two. Batista connects with a decent looking float over suplex with another near fall. As Batista sends Kane to the outside, Flair tries to Irish whip Kane, but it fails, so he results to chopping him, and that has no effect either. Flair hilariously starts shouting at Kane, and Kane just chokes him, allowing Batista to get the upper hand. He earns some near falls, but Kane rallies, so Flair gets involved again. Batista looks to powerbomb Kane, but he can't lift him into position. And they awkwardly start again after Batista nearly drops Kane on his head. To reset, Kane hits a low blow and then a top rope clothesline. Batista hits a nice spine of for two. Kane rallies again, hits a chokeslam, but the referee is still distracted by Ric Flair. Kane brings him in, wails away, but turns around for Batista to finally hit his sit-up powerbomb at the second attempt for the free and a big win on pay-per-view. Uh, Dee, any, any thoughts on the debut of Batista and another loss for Kane?
1: Uh, it's a double-edged sword for me. Um, it was clunky. It was, uh, there was, uh, there was that very dangerous spot. And you can kind of blame and not blame Batista over this or maybe whoever produced the match. Um, you got to be very careful with people who, no matter how great they look, they still need to get their reps in. They still need time to grow and make sure that they are taking the trust of their opponent very seriously. And I'm I'm, I'm not saying that he didn't, but that trust is very big. And then the safety of your opponent is is huge in the professional wrestling business. Um, that part of the sword is is, is kind of what hinders this match for me. Um, He's still very uh, new to this. The good side of this for me is that Batista is just in a great spot, like immensely great spot. If you are anywhere near Ric Flair, I would talk that guy's ear off and ask him questions after question after question. Just this is the 16-time champ. You got walk. You got him walking down with you to the ring, and he's your manager. Like it, it's it, it can only get better from here. It was a clunky match, but the future is is just looking so bright for batista if he stays in this role and to see possibly see him team up with triple h uh as like imagine like a tag team title and with 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 those two like it 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 just looks great because it's it's almost like triple h is Kind of being presented close to where Flair was being presented in his time, and then now you got the rookie and Batista. I I I love that. I just love the presentation. It can only get better from here. It was a rough match uh, to watch, and Kane is a pro, uh, but it was just it was just clunky in some parts. Uh, In its bubble, it was like eh, but for the future, I can see some bright things for Batista.
0: Yeah, again, I agree. The match itself, I probably go. A level below clunky i think it was you know bitty, and when the bits failed miserably that they did with that that powerbomb botch it was very noticeable but look as you said if they're gonna if they're gonna put rick flair in with somebody normally that leads to them having the rocket strapped to them and batista does look a million dollars like he he he's got everything about that something that vince mcmahon loves you know and they want to have a brock lesnar sort of version two on raw right now Batista is probably the man with the frame to do the job i don't know if he has the skills yet because obviously this is a very green batista not someone who's ready fit and able to go straight away but again it's not been officially announced yet but if he is going to be triple h's bodyguard along with ric flair There's a lot of good experience to learn from, and I hope that this is going to be the start of something, you know, entertaining. Because if we're going to get this level of in-ring ability for the next two years, though, that is going to be a big, a big problem. Because this was not very fluid, big man match level of of entertainment. Let's put that way. Yeah, it's a situation where
1: um, they they're giving Batista everything, and it's like, here you go, this what we're giving you is everything you need to become huge. Now it's up to you. Like this is sink or swim for Batista. He has everything around him to drive him to the main event. Now it's up to him. You go and work on those things. You go and, and put the work in on your days off. Go training, go ask veterans a bunch of questions, go ask Vince what else he, what else he needs from you. Like it's up to you. Now you need to put in the work. You got all the tools, now he has to put in the work. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't, I'm just saying that that's, that's where he's at right now, in my opinion, from where I'm staying.
0: Before our next match starts out, we've got another interlude uh, with the no longer bland, aggressive babyface, but a full-blown vanilla ice knockoff, John Cena.
2: Yo, 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 everybody knows I got a master's degree in thugonomics. word life. So kick that beat off, so me and b Square can kick the freestyle acapella. No beat, no beat, listen up. Surprise, we right here before your eyes. All you women want me, I'm the envy of all you guys. As cause you rely on flipping burgers and serving fries. Your girl's with us, I'm about to find her bra size. It's a new era, a new message that we're sending. It starts tonight, right here at Armageddon. No sweating, I don't care who I piss off. From Stephanie McMahon straight over to Eric Bischoff. We never soft, we never leave a man standing. You either deal with me or with Bling Bling Buchanan. We the man, son, and we attacking this arrangement. The new centerpiece of world wrestling entertainment. And for all of you foes who think that you can throw blows, Y'all wind up like Marsha Brady saying, oh, my nose and I'm out. Wow. Eat your heart out, Eminem.
0: Uh, quickly, D, any, any thoughts on this uh, new version of John Cena? I mean, anything's better than real bland vanilla baby face we had in July. But what do you think?
1: It's definitely uh, it's definitely better than ruthless aggression, John Cena. Um holy crap it's just i okay i grew i grew up in elizabeth new jersey which is 20 minutes away from where hip-hop was born hip-hop was my first love and i grew up with it and she's been very good to me and when i when i saw him say cut the beat it made me think like he can't keep the cadence of the beat and it's gonna sound clunky and then when he started rapping bling bling beat you Cannon, great name by the way, um, starts moving his hands on beat as if music is actually playing. And to me, I, I did not find anything funnier than that. Um, the rhymes were elementary, is a word I can put uh, to describe it. Um, <laughs> I just have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of this,
0: though. Like, it's, it's so bad it's good. I'll say this. He, he he can pull it off in a, as you said, so bad he can make it work, which is a testament to any performer. If they can make some form of salad out of the incredible gimmick shit that has been saddled with. But... I'm not a rap fan. Give me Hybrid Theory's album all the time. That that will do me. Um, so I have no idea whether this is going to be good, whether this is going to be an insult to the rap genre. But if this guy's showing charisma and he's got a future in the mid cars SmackDown, then all power to him. I'm all for it. Sure. Up next, it's the women's title match involving... Victoria, the champion, versus Trish Stratus, the ever st- present of the division, and Jackie in a triple threat match. Uh, Victoria starts off with a flipping leg drop on Trish early in the match. Jackie with a sweep kick on Victoria for two. Trish punches Jackie, and then she's caught with, by both opponents for a double suplex. Victoria works over Trish with shoulder tackles and sets Trish up on the top rope. Victoria hits a superplex while standing in the middle turnbuckle, and Jackie covers Trish for two instead. Jackie hits a head to the takedown of Victoria, and Trish brought Victoria in with, from the apron to the ring, and then both women held Victoria's legs, leading to a slam, and Trish hits her turnbuckle head to the spot on Jackie. We then hit a train wreck of a sequence as Trish hits her chick kick to Jackie, but takes ages to cover, as either Victoria isn't positioned to break up the pin, or Trish wasn't confident in the champ's positioning. Trish hits a corner clothesline on Jackie. When Trish covers, Victoria hits Trish in the head with the women's title. Trish bumps to the apron and Victoria pins Jackie to get the pinfall off a corner clothesline. Devinder, any thoughts on this match?
1: The the way she won was was a smart thing to do but it didn't make jackie look pretty it didn't make jackie look good if you're down that long from a clothesline this could have been a a good spot for jackie to propel herself into the next level she's a really talented wrestler but hasn't really been featured as much as i feel she should be um trish is you know she really grew to be a, a, a solid solid wrestler and it, it, it's three talents of women but the match there was the chemistry was off or the timing was off and anybody can have an off night. It's it's has no bearing to the total talent or capabilities of the performers. It could just been an off night. Maybe we just we just didn't click and I feel that's what happened tonight.
0: uh I don't know what it is about this division and but booking crap finishes but We had last month's show where they had a really, you know, a good match, which was ended on a suplex. And now this, where I honestly thought we were starting off really well. The moves that they were pulling out were very innovative, looking Mm -hmm. snug. And then we end, we just end with, again, as I mentioned in the notes, just a train wreck. Like, I I don't, like, Victoria hits a lovely flipping leg drop right at the start of the match. All you needed to do was have her do that move, after hitting Trish with the belt. Or, you know, maybe pin Trish Stratus with the belt. But no, we can't have Trish Stratus losing clean on pay-per-view for two months straight in a row because she's the star of this division. I, all I want is for this division to be booked clearly and cleanly. If we're going to make Victoria, the dominant heel champion, have her pin Jackie with a, with one of her own moves, that's, that's all I ask. Then at least she looks like she's smart and conniving and And as well as being crazy and having awesome theme music, she actually is booked as like a proper champion and we can make Trish versus Victoria for WrestleMania or Royal Rumble. And it means it means something because every, every time I watch a women's match and I've seen quite a few of these now on pay-per-view, the wrestling itself is good. And I keep going. Mm -hmm. There's something really like on the cusp of something here that we could make the women's division, like that tag division on the SmackDown, but we just can't. One, because Vince is too busy booking women in their underwear kissing. And two, they aren't being treated well in the booking of their matches by their agents. If they were the agent for the women's division, please fire them and bring in somebody else. Because I think if they wanted to improve that, we'd be thinking much much better of the women's division than we are at the minute. Backstage before our next main event, Kurt Angle is in the locker room with Brock Lesnar and the customary TV angle talks about how Lesnar had show beat at survivor series and was screwed by Paul Heyman and cost him the WWE title. Angle says that if Lesnar in his corner, he can be there at ringside 20 feet away from retribution. He puts the tape of Paul Heyman's screwing of him at last month's survivor series on as he walks away and leaves Brock to stew. As we head into the WWE title match between Kurt Angle, and Chris White's rest of the year, the Big Show. So we start out the match uh, with traditional strength versus speed spots before Kurt Angle manages to take out Paul Heyman early by landing on top of him outside after flipping over the top rope. This was by accident, by the way, not by design. He effortlessly then flings Big Show over the top rope after the Big Show goes to check on his agent. Let's go, Angle chance startup. He runs into Show, who chops him a few times. Show then proceeds to treat Angle like a rag doll, followed by a suplex and a sidewalk slam. Kurt uses a jawbreaker to try and turn things around. He goes for a crossbody, but is caught and nailed with a sloppy looking final cut. That gets a two. Show applies a bear hug, but it doesn't kill much time, actually, as Angle breaks out of it quickly by biting the big Show. He gets a rear naked choke on jumping by his back and gets him down to one knee. He then pulls out a tornado DDT and both guys are down for the two count. Kurt hits a lovely missile dropkick and his beautiful moonsault. He then hits the angle slam on the big show, but in the theme of the night it only gets two. The straps come down, the ankle lock is applied, but show rolls out and goes for a choke slam. Angle somehow manages to counter this into an ankle lock, but show powers out again and we have a ref bump. Heyman passes a chair into the ring, but Angle uses it on Show instead, straight onto the face. He covers, but Show kicks out, and this kicks out into the ref, and he's out again. The ankle lock is locked back in again. Show taps, but of course the bell doesn't ring. Out runs the A-train, and he hits Angle with a nasty backbreaker before running out through the crowd. Show connects with the Showstopper Chokeslam, but out comes Brock Lesnar. He hits the F5 to the big man. And he's chases him up, Paul Heyman out to the back. Angle goes over to the cover. One, two, three. Angle is your new free time WWE champion. D, thoughts on the match and the decision to make Kurt Angle the WWE champion.
1: There was a point in commentary where, I can't remember if it was Cole or Tez, but they pointed out that Kurt Angle... In the Olympics, worked with people that were bigger than him in terms of weight, and I thought that that was really important because it helped um, it helped the story and it kind of helped you understand how easily Angle can manipulate Big Show and work with Big Show because it, it kind of gave you some backstory and a foundation to be like, okay, now it's believable then because if he won the gold medal with people heavier than him, then he can he can take he can at least have a chance against Big Show. Big Show's presentation. I, I I don't know. I feel like he's around to make sure other people get over and everything and that's a fine career to have. I mean, as long as, long as you I mean that's pretty much a job for life, right? But I feel like we're in the same spot that we were 3 years ago where he kind of surprisingly won the championship and then loses it a month later and then maybe stays in the main event picture but kind of disappears after that. They're gonna kind of justify it with the whole Brock Lesnar thing. Maybe he stays around that picture for a minute, but then it'll it'll just dissolve after that. Yeah. Um, the A train thing, uh, kind of you know to go back to my earlier point, it seems like they're definitely trying to elevate him and his hair on his back, and uh, it's it's interesting to see, and especially to be in the company of uh of you know those men at that level. Uh, they definitely want to definitely want to do something with a train and um holy crap i just can't say it enough it's just amazing to see the strength on brock lesnar like he picked up big show like i pick up a tv remote like it was just so easy and it's just a a crazy amount of strength and yeah big show probably you know helps him out a little bit and you know you know uh kind of stiffens his body and you know there's not dead weight and, and jumps so he can get on his shoulders and everything but it's still just impressive and uh angle is a you know top three wrestler for me and i can debate anybody any time of the day about that a time top three wrestler for me yes
0: yeah, so the match itself never i mean look, i think Kurt Angle did what Kurt Angle does. He literally can get a good match out of anybody, and this was still good. Like he can
1: get a good match out of Al Wilson, probably.
0: <laughs> oh, it's just this, the man is a certifiable WWE work legend, and he's only been wrestling for three years in this company. It's ridiculous. Again, the, the fact that he could That's... easily lift like just tip the big show over the top rope as if it was a as if it was lifting over Chava Guerrero is ridiculous. The fact that he got an angle slam on the big show and with, with barely any hindrance at all is, is, is incredibly impressive. And yeah, I mean, as you said, the, the, we're going to talk about probably the upcoming direction for all three of these wrestlers that were involved in this main event and not including the a train, but all three of the big players in this card in after the show. But, I mean, it's the ultimate, I guess, reward for the year Kurt Angle has had. In my opinion, he is the best wrestler of the year. And I'm getting my nomination in now for the end of the year awards. But you think of how consistently excellent he has been throughout the whole year. I think this is one of the easiest decisions that they could have made to get the title off the big show. And if they were absolutely adamant about we need to have a credible champion going into WrestleMania for Brock Lesnar to face now that we took, this, like, took the belt off him. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that this is going to stay the same with Kurt Angle being a WWE champion heading into WrestleMania because that man deserves it for the year he's had. He is the best wrestler in North America right now, maybe even in, maybe even the world. Um, I'm sure that there's some way in Japan, you know, Mizawa or Kobashi may dis- discuss that. But for me, for everything he does in the ring, Kurt is the best in the world at the minute. And to have him have the, the title around his waist to, to say that with a bad knee is testament to how much of a legend this man already is.
1: You know how how surprised you are with him doing this with a bad knee. Let's not forget that he did win an Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck,
0: really, I never would have
1: thought I, he said it a few times, and I caught it i I decided to take a note whenever I heard it. um so when you say like he's been at it for three years, it's just it's a jarring fact for me because in those short three years he's become my favorite wrestler currently, and yeah i remember I remember uh, his first year. I just felt like man they're giving him everything way too fast. And he's going to not that he's going to burn out but like the presentation of him will burn out. I was like they're giving him everything way too fast. But look at this guy he just got he's he just keeps getting better and better and better and it's um I will second your nomination uh for wrestler of the year just because his work rate is incredible. And you know all jokes aside if he did win you know he did win the the gold medal with the Broken neck, like, and he's just going out there with a bad leg. Doesn't matter to him, he's just gonna go 100%. And and what's nuts is that it makes you think he's not at 100%. And look at the quality of matches he's giving us, you know?
0: It's scary. I honestly don't know if he will ever be 100% because he has had a broken freaking neck and he is always going 100 miles an hour. So I don't think his body will ever be able to say, I am in 100% physical condition. I I will let go now. I I can cut loose, but and the fact is that he also by the end of the month is on crutches and in a brace. So it shows you just how much of a toll these last two weeks probably put on him. But again, like we can only credit this man's willingness to compete and willingness to give it is everything for this business and this industry and these fans because I. I'm eternally grateful to him for what he's done this year.
1: To add to to your point that you just mentioned, and those were great things that you said, professionally, he is also wrestler of the year. Because not only in ring with the quality of matches that he's been given us, but professionally, that man has seen the responsibility that he he has in his level of the card and says, no, I need to do this match. I need to do that match. I need to give, give these fans professionally as a man. I will also vote him in as wrestler of the year the great man
0: the great man himself speaking Let's, of great and, man it is time for the end of the blood feud saga that is triple h versus Shawn michaels but this time it is for the world heavyweight title and this time it is not just one fall it is two out of three falls or three stages of hell because it is without the branding triple h versus Shawn michaels first fall is a falls count any more street fight second fall steel cage match And third fall, if it should go that way, a ladder match. Now, this was never meant to be the plan. It was just meant to be Triple H versus Shawn Michaels in a straight up uh, singles match for the title at Armageddon. And yet for the final roar of the month before the pay per view, Eric Bischoff dropped us a bombshell that we're going to get three stages of hell for the second time in two years. Before we let's not leave out the match for now. D, what what are your what are your thoughts on us blowing off Triple H versus Shawn Michaels in a December pay per view in a Free Stages of Hell match with a week's worth of build? I'm not implying yeah. anything, but what are your thoughts?
1: No, no, no. Yeah, the way you've said it is not dissuading my my thoughts. I, I'm I'm probably in the same. Side as you that you know, Sean has been out for was it four four years right four years
0: four and a half years,
1: and you know SummerSlam was just crazy. SummerSlam was 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 nuts. It looked like it looked like he didn't miss a beat. I don't know whether it was adrenaline or some some you know. I know he's a very spiritual person. I'm sure maybe he had God on his side that night. Um it was it was just a crazy night and and then and then Survivor Series happened and that was great despite his brown pants but something like Shawn Michaels and Triple H if i were in you know in the room with somebody with the pen and a pad writing the booking it's like hey man let's just can we stretch this out can we can we Shawn and Triple H that that deserves WrestleMania doesn't it like That has to be at WrestleMania. I'm not mad that we got it earlier. And that's a point that I'm going to talk about a little later with something else. But, you know, I, I don't mind waiting because these men deserve that stage. These men deserve. Shawn Michaels was, he's another part of my top three. And Triple H in the past three, four years has really, really grown to be one of the best like ring generals out there. Despite, you know, what people may feel about him personally, those two men, best friends and trust in each other. And I got your back. You got mine. Let's just go put out a fucking great match. Like, let's just go kill it. That deserves WrestleMania. And maybe maybe I, maybe I'm jumping the gun. Maybe they do do it. Maybe this might not be a blow off. Maybe there's another crazy match that we can have at WrestleMania. Maybe a Iron Man match. Imagine that. Because they were both in the two Ironman matches. Why don't we do that? that would be crazy.
0: We doing this over two nights, mate. <laughs> How are we gonna fit oh, Rock, well, Gold- Rock Goldberg and Austin? Oh, but Goldberg's not gonna go more than three and three
1: minutes and ten seconds. <laughs> you know that guy. Maybe maybe three minutes flat. But I, you know, back to my point, I, I'm not mad that we're getting it earlier, and I'm not mad because it was a great match. But man, it would have been you know the the pageantry the the spectacle the the whole the whole deal you know like a great great um video package to go along with it as you know you know WWE's production team has been killing it with the video packages i just i just feel like all all the pop and circumstance uh should be applied to them and that would have only been at wrestlemania
0: i don't even say it needs to be wrestlemania because austin versus triple h was a no way out and that felt like the biggest match on the card that had four months worth of build. They've been on off together for, you know, all all throughout throughout that time, even though they just had that one match at Survivor series. And it's very similar to what Hunter and Michaels have had themselves, where again, everyone who listened to the August show will know my thoughts on that match, but the, even just the whole presentation of it with the, the angle of triple H, you know beating up his best friend and the you can't go anymore storyline which was so good for that August show and it's it does not feel like this is the blow off of a of a feud that was that heated in August I don't know so do you feel,
1: of, let, let me ask you a question so do you feel now they're maybe moving on to a uh a process where they go well we're going to sell tickets to WrestleMania anyway it's WrestleMania let's elevate the B shows let's elevate the you know the the forgotten shows of the year do you feel like maybe they're moving into that direction where they're going to put bigger matches in smaller shows
0: I think that's probably half the battle I think it's obviously you you at the start of the show we said that they are you know, Vince is struggling to recapture that attitude of a magic. The levels of interest in this product right now are probably at the same level as 1997, around the time that they were doing Hell in the Cell for the first time in the Montreal screw job and they were desperately trying to get Mike Tyson in. So there's definitely pressure to make every pay-per-view count. But what I would prefer to them to do is to do Three Stages of Hell, but make it feel like this is going to be it. This is it between the two of them. This is We've been we, we've been leading to this moment for the last five months. It's Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. Here's this you know massive video package and all of this explanation and like all these sit down interviews that say this is it between two best friends. It was just thrown together on a on a week's worth of Raw tapings. like. I can see your point. I can totally see. I, your point. I don't mind that uh, if you're gonna do Free stages of Hell, make it feel like think of how big Hell in a Cell is every almost every time that they do it and. You know, I go back to those Triple H versus Cactus Jack Hell in the Cell. That felt huge. That was a B-level pay-per-view show. Think of when Hell in the Cell was at Armageddon two years ago, when six men win the you know, Hell in the Cell. That felt huge. And as we'll go on when we talk discuss the match, I really don't think these two men should have been fighting for the two shades of Hell match given their current conditions. But, but that's because when the game comes out to his to his music. He has got heavily strapped thighs, and, and it's very clear throughout the whole match that Triple H can't walk effectively. Um, He's still very slow. He's still banged up. And I just don't think that they should have been given this match with everything that had gone on before it. But... Let's see how the match itself pans out as uh, both men make their way to the ring. Triple H is again, as I mentioned, heavily strapped on his thigh and has got Ric Flair by his side. But not for long, though, as Ric Flair is immediately ejected by Earl Hebner and he comes completely comes with a fair bump just for good measure. So Michaels immediately takes outside, takes Hunter outside with a clothesline and a baseball slide. Sean gets a trash can after bump to the floor and Hunter is already limping. Um, Michael's jumps off the middle turnbuckle onto Hunter, holding a trash can and HBK has already brought out a table and he sets it on the apron. After having a suplex for the table blocked, Michael sends Hunter into the steel steps and back into the ring. They go. Michael's goes up top of a trash can again, but Hunter gets a big boot to the case uh, to kick up the trash can. Hunter charges. Michael's with a boot to the face this time and a cross body block with Hunter landing on top for two. Hunter hits a jumping knee. To take control. Hunter gets a backbreaker on a chair again after that amazing summer spot but this time Michael's counters with backbreakers on his own onto the chair and now HBK works over Triple H's back for a change. Michael sets up for a super kick, but Hunter catches it and wrenches the left knee and we now come to the methodical work over the knee for five to six minutes of a street fight. Really great including a figure four leg lock and standard stamping on the knee off the ropes. They brawl outside to the entranceway. Triple H sends Sean into the part of the sheet metal set. He then brings out the classic two by four wrapped with barbed wire. He pauses and then lights the fucker on fire. But before he can use it, HBK kicks Hunter in the ribs and the firewood goes down. Michaels picks it up, swings the flaming torch at Hunter's head, leading to Hunter taking a bump and a holy shit chance. And of course, Hunter is busted open. Back in the ring, Michael sets up a chair. Hunter has already um Hunter was ready with a drop toe hold into the chair. Triple H hits a DDT, leading to both guys being down in the ring. He goes for a pedigree, but Sean counters with a low blow. Sean gets his forearm and a kip up spot, but Triple H hits him with a chop block on the bad leg and hits a pedigree to go 1-0 up after 20 minutes. Fall number two is a cage match. Before the cage lowers, Triple H brings in a table and an array of weapons. He hits hits, uh, Shawn Michaels with the trash can and then catapults him into the cage. Michael blades mid-jump, which is a bit of a shame. It was very obvious to see not quite as well executed as his famous Hell in a Cell blade job uh, five years before. After working over Shawn some more, Triple H tries to climb out the cage. Michael stops him while Hunter's legs were on the outside. Uh, Sean hops up to the top of the cage, while Ric Flair has charged up back to ringside again, even though he was ejected. Michaels and Hunter are back in the ring. Hunter getting crotched on the top rope. Michaels hits the patented top rope elbow off the top rope. Flair has to somehow managed to get back into the ring, charges at Michaels, but Sean hits Flair and Triple H with chair shots. And of course, Ric Flair has also busted open because he can't help himself. Michael's works over trips with uh, whips into the cage, along with some punches. Hunter goes for another pedigree, but Sean counters it with a back body drop. Michael's tune, tunes up the band and hits sweet chin music on both Flair and Triple H. But he doesn't go for the cover. He's not done. Sean puts Hunter on the table, climbs up to the top of the cage and hits a supervised splash through the table. And it's one a apiece. Third fall, as I as it's needed, is a ladder match. Michaels' supposed speciality, although I'm pretty sure Triple H has actually got a better winning ratio in ladder matches. That's all I'm saying. Michael starts by whipping Hunter into the ladder and then a shot to the head, followed by a suplex onto the ladder itself. Michaels climbs up the ladder for another splash, but Hunter moves out of the way. He does catch him a little bit low, but it's, both. it's clear both men are absolutely knackered. Now, Triple H is an awful pedigree, and he starts that slow, slow, methodical climb that I'm so fond of him doing. Michael's with a super kick that sends Hunter from inside of the ring to the floor. Michael starts a slow climb up the ladder. He gets a hold of the world title above the floor. But then all of a sudden, Hunter shoves Sean off the ladder onto four tables that have been uh, propped up and assembled on the outside of the floor, very similar to the famous bumps that uh, Matt and Bubba Ray Dudley took at WrestleMania 17.
2: Can you believe this? The place is not even in sight. The comeback after four years was extraordinary. And we this, three more steps. He's gonna do it. John Martin is gonna do it. He's going. He's touching his top. Oh my God. No! Oh my God. No! Will sell up by Triple H's advisor, Rick See, he's Breathing? I don't think he's breathing. Shawn Michaels has crashed and burned thanks to the game in that 12-foot ladder. If he ever sets foot in a wrestling ring as long as he lives, You're the right. game only cares about himself it's and a, being the world champion. he wants the home. Right there he's got it. And the game is done.
0: Whilst I take a drink and a breather, D, what did you think of that epic two out of three falls match?
1: Uh, epic is a great word. Um, man, these guys, they just, they just fucking go for it. And these are very proud men of their own careers and their own abilities. And honestly, you can't tell them shit about it. Like, you can tell them, like, hey man, like, gotta take care of yourself. You got a bad leg, and you just came from a back from a back injury, like probably shouldn't do this match. They'll probably look at me and be like screw you, I'm going to go tear it up right now. And as fans, we're reaping the benefits of that of that pride and that that arrogance, you know, and that's not always necessarily a bad thing. I genuinely hope that they're okay after that. Uh, I am probably sure that they're not. But wounds will heal wounds will heal, as they say. Um you know, Triple H is a is a contrast to Kurt Angle, in terms of working with an injury, it, di- it did slow him down and it did, uh it was pretty noticeable in his work. Kurt Angle is like, he'll just go 100 miles an hour even if he doesn't have one of his legs. Like, it doesn't matter to him. uh Triple H, it does affect him and that's, that, there's that nothing wrong with that. Like, if I have a bad leg, I'm, I'm sitting there crying and waiting for a foot massage or something. I'm not going to go out there and wrestle. So it's it's um the guy has a lot of pride and so does Shawn Michaels. Um, it was a it was a really great match. Damn, that table bump was nuts. Uh, Rick Flair, just being Rick Flair, and any wrestling fan can know exactly what I mean when I say that. It was epic. Is a great word, and I can't really describe it in, with anything else. Um, but I, you know, d- despite the build and what and the notes that we talked about before, uh, really dissecting this match. Despite all that, I'm happy as a fan that we got to see this.
0: This has been a one of the most divisive matches that I think I've I've really seen in this, you know, in, in the wrestling world. Not just in two thousand two but ever. Like you and you know, people like Wade Keller are saying this is this is brilliant, this was this was an epic match. Um and you've got people like Dave Meltzer saying this this was a load of slow garbage, basically. Which again is, is very divisive and sort of not the same universal appeal that I think they were definitely going for. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Like when you read through all the stuff they did in these match notes, like it's undeniable that it's epic. Splashes off the cage, and Michael's bumping through tables off a ladder, and you know, barbed wire two by fours on fire. He's oh my a, god,
1: I forgot to mention that. The barbed wire on fire? I was scared as hell for that. I was like, how do you even take that? Like, Jesus, I'm sorry, go on.
0: And yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, it's it's on paper epic spots. It's just everything in between that just didn't click for me to go, this is one of the best matches. This is up there with Austin and, and Hunter from, from the last big three stages of hell. triple you know Two out of three falls match. Because, again, Triple H was, they were, one, they both banged up by the end. Like, I don't think they have the physical capability to do 40 minutes. This should have been a 25-minute match. I think if they condensed all of the stuff that they did in one fall and, like, just had it be a ladder match, for example, like a, you know, street fight come ladder match, I think this would have been epic. But when you add in those extra 15 minutes of filling time triple h desperately trying to walk around the ring with his busted up leg and sean still not quite trusting his back to to fully to fully commit even though i say all those spots i just don't think it was the great match that i think you need a 40 minute epic to be to warrant its time that makes sense it's still good because don't get me wrong like you're having a 40 minute match of all the stuff i just listed off in this match review and i I think it's impossible for it to be like bad but i don't think it's great either and and again as i mentioned when it's when the match is this long i think it needs to be great to justify its its place in the card and its place in the overall feud and overall story Again, as I mentioned before, I think the the condition of both wrestlers meant that these two guys weren't, in my opinion, able to 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 overcome that. The hurdles that were put in front of them, um, but that's just my opinion. Obviously, the, again, this is a very, very divisive match. Some people clearly are loving it like yourself and other people are even more off worse on it than I am. So it, it's not a universal epic, but that I think. If it is going to be the final match of the of the you know the feud for between these two then it's definitely something i think they will look back on with a little bit of pride to say that we got wow well, we overcame a lot of them that match didn't we and like oh yes we did but and i think the fact that obviously the fans start chanting, holy shit, so it's not that bad in hindsight so with that epic world title match out of the way D, your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of ten.
1: Um, like I said in the beginning, it was a solid show. You know, as as we as we were, you know, talking about the whole show in in, in its entirety, I was like, man, there, there are a bunch of little screwy finishes that kind of messed up the score for me. As I said, uh, me as a fan, I try not to complain too much. Um, to have a have a show filled with these huge stars like Sean and triple H and Eddie and Benoit and Kurt angle and Al Wilson. I can't really ask for much more. I had to, I had to add Al Wilson in that, in that little, that little, group just, of stars shaking my head. just shaking my <laughs> head. I bet you were. Um, but you know, <laughs> there were, there were some, uh, oh, there was some, there was some shit that were living in for me, but, um, d- uh, five, 5.5, 5, maybe, maybe, maybe a possible six, but I, I'll leave it at a 5.5. I'm,
0: I'm with you on the five. I'm bang on a five because I, I'm doing the Chris White method. And I think, I think it is the best way of doing it. I'm giving the show plus points for the, the four way elimination tag and the Benoit Guerrero match. So we're up to a very good seven score, but then I'm taking two away from that fucking toy Wilson, Al wilson dawn Marie segment taking another two points off of batista kane and the women's triple threat so we're now in the dregs angle big show is good enough so that gets up to four and i'm gonna i am gonna give it a plus point for triple H versus sean um even though i do think it was too long it's still good like i can't be too harsh on it so i'm gonna give it a five out of ten and the same score park as ud definitely
3: you see, as a WWE superstar and Olympic gold medalist, yeah! I've got a lot on my plate. Yeah! And there's an old expression, yeah! anyone who represents himself yeah! has a fool for a client. Yeah! And Kurt Angle's nobody's fool. Yeah! Which is why a week before Armageddon, yeah! I hired myself a management team to look out for my best interests. And also be in charge of all Kurt Angle contract negotiations. What I'd like to do right now is introduce the head of my management team, Paul Heyman. What? Oh my God. I can't believe that. I'm gonna be sick. No way! This slide ball! Is this a joke? Either? Oh come on, you—you you can't tell me that you're surprised at all this. I mean, did they honestly believe that I would ever let Brock Lesnar get close to the WWE title again? I mean, be honest with yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you now realize that since a week before Armageddon, when Kurt Angle and I conceived of this whole plan, that we were in it all along together? Think about this, Kurt. It all started when you went to Brock Lesnar and said, Brock, please be in my corner at Armageddon. And then of course, then, of course, I got Stephanie McMahon so wild up that she lifted the suspension of Brock Lesnar. And my heart was pounding. My heart was pounding at the mere opportunity to screw Brock Lesnar all over again. One more time. And then Kurt at Armageddon. And this was all yours. At Armageddon, well, I went to Stephanie McMahon and said that if Brock Lesnar was in your corner against the Big Show, that the Big Show would break Brock's neck. And meanwhile, Kurt Angle, you went into Brock Lesnar's locker room and you played the tape of Survivor Series when I screwed Brock Lesnar out of the WWE title right to Brock Lesnar's face! You played Brock Lesnar, you manipulated Brock Lesnar, you played him like a violin!
0: So yes, as, as you would have now heard, uh, after giving him a glowing tribute for an amazing year and for becoming a free time WWE Champion, that basica angle had only gone on line with Paul Heyman, that son of a bitch. Um, uh please make sense of this because I, I think that the fans are ready to cheer for Kurt Angle based on the reactions he was starting to get in that main event match. And now he's aligned with the uh, epitome of the devil on SmackDown's roster. So why why are we why are we always putting in the top here with Paul Heyman? That's my question.
1: Heyman is to the WWE championship what Sonny was to the tag team championships. They went where their money was. They went where the money was. They are mercenaries. They they just the, the their clients. Uh, you know, if you want to go K, really kayfabe, I would make more money having the champion as my client, no matter who the champion is. If you're not champion anymore, I'm not making as much money. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go where the money is. Uh, Angle of course was being cheered because he's the fucking best. And out of respect you know people he was becoming a fan favorite but i think for the dynamic of what can hopefully and possibly happen uh you need a heel to run against a certain somebody um you could do it face against face cuz this potential matchup is it doesn't matter what side who's on like it it's just going to be awesome no matter what um this does, this does uh, kind of scare me. I hope there's no shenanigans in the build of this possible match if that match does happen. Like, I I, I, I just want straight-up wrestling. Just who's the better man? Just, you know, pride, ego. I want all that on the line. I don't need extra shit. I don't need Al Wilson anywhere near this feud. Um, I'm going to insert that name wherever I can, Dan. That's it get used to it um i never let an opportunity for a joke pass by me um so i uh you know and 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 it was interesting because there was a promo spot uh during the pay-per-view where paul Heyman it's like you're the champion i'm the agent let me handle it and when it, it, was probably, it was probably a little long-term storytelling because when Big Show wanted to go into Stephanie's office and try to demand things, it's a very heel thing to do. And Heyman, as the manager, should have went with that because you are also a heel. So he actually did something against what the character would do, and he justified it in a very, very logical way. Now, that just shows like heyman's a genius like he knows how to tell a story but it's interesting to think back now was that because if angle loses i'm gonna go with that guy anyway i'm interested to see the dynamic between the fans and kurt angle now that heyman's there or if heyman's gonna play you know maybe a tweener maybe he's just there to get angle all the opportunities he can no matter what no matter like what the fans feel like if you guys cheer this, awesome. But if you don't, whatever. He's my agent. I'm going to put him in the best positions possible. Um, but yeah, it, it just adds, it adds a little wrinkle to the story and adds a little history to a possible feud that we see coming up.
0: I mean, you're tiptoeing around it because I know you don't want to jinx it. But I think, I think we can be confident in saying we are going to get Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title at WrestleMania.
1: That's my dream, like, fantasy booking. Uh, and, you know, when we talked about me not minding waiting for WrestleMania for Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and I don't mind the wait because the anticipation is just growing. And just like you said that you wish we would have had for Triple H, Shawn Michaels, crazy, uh, you know, video packages, possibly possibly uh, interviewing other wrestlers because they just see how... NCAA champion versus Olympic gold medalists like these guys are, you know, all due respect to everybody else in the profession. But these guys are like they were doing the actual wrestling in college and the Olympics. You know, this is just a huge, huge match. And no matter if you're a casual or a diehard fan, this will always appeal to you. These are two legit athletes. Um, One is currently probably the best in the industry. And the other is probably right there near him like brock is just an insane mountain of a man versus a machine that is kurt angle and i just i hope i hope that we get that because it'll just be nothing short than perfect
0: i really hope so mate and i do think that they're too good and they're two wrestlers that are good enough that they don't necessarily need that bigger story to go along with it because it's literally just Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. Here you go. Crack on. Be entertained, pal. And uh, I think we, we we will be for once. But which is why I'm a little bit annoyed that we've had to have such a convoluted Kurt Angle assign, aligning with Heyman because, you know, he, he, he wants to have the management experience of the evil mastermind and as you said, Paul Heyman goes to the money as picture it looks like a chumper
1: I, I, I don't mind the addition of paul heyman because it adds to the history and you know they can play with that i just hope it doesn't add to like a bunch of shenanigans and and, and like messy finishes and interference in an
0: ideal world like you don't turn brock lesnar face and you 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 or you keep him between her with and you eliminate heyman from the picture so you don't have conflict of fans allegiance so we can have Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle at Wrestlemania Mano with Mano similar to what we had with Rock and Austin who's just a better man let's go rather than having Brock Lesnar's got to work his way all through the the new team angle stable that was debuted on the last Smackdown of the year with um two other highly decorated amateur wrestlers Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin and the big show to to work his way to Kurt Angle. We don't need that. We just need it's very simple storytelling of Brock Lesnar has beaten all comers. He's beaten The Undertaker. He's beaten The Big Show in in fictional fantasy booking land. He's beaten people like Chris Benoit. There's one man left and it's the best wrestler in the world. Can he beat Kurt Angle? And you can make Kurt Angle a face because the crowd is still... They want to cheer for him because he's that damn good, but he's now in line with Heyman. So it's just like, okay, fine, well... We'll have to go along with it, I guess, because we want this damn match. So that's why I'm a little bit peeved, because I think they could have told a much simpler, more effective story rather than having to crowbar the way that they see baby faces behaving against all the odds to to make Brock Lesnar that archetype. And he's not that archetype. He is an ass kicker, brilliant beast of a human being. You can do something different with him. Um, but yeah, I just feel it, it can be done better But from, from what we know We're getting Brock Lesnar Versus Kurt Angle And as, as D, you said before Let's not complain about that We could have got Brock Lesnar Versus a Big Show at WrestleMania I And mean, none of us wanted that No, definitely not
1: This could very well be a trap Look at the size of that arm.
2: It is freakish. There's Triple H, there's no slouch either when it comes to bicep, but. You better watch yourself there, Scott. We got referee Jack down in the ring. I think. gonna be the real deal. Three guys. One, two, three, go! Here it goes!
0: On the other side of the coin, <laughs> where we're getting, for the Royal Rumble at least, a match that I don't think anybody was clamouring for um, upon his debut at Survivor Series, Scott Steiner versus Triple H at the Royal Rumble for the World Heavyweight title. In what I think will be Scott Steiner's very first televised main match rather than if food house shows since his return. The way that we're going to build to this match, apparently, is by having Triple H, the, uh, uh, an amateur bodybuilder with all his super, super muscles being outfought and out contested by Scott Steiner and all his steroid <laughs> um, um, gym in, infused muscles in arm wrestling contests. And apparently we're going to get a bodybuild pose down in next week or two as well. Um, D, um are you ex- as excited for Triple H versus Scott Steiner at the Royal Rumble and, and potentially WrestleMania as you are for Brock Lesnar oh, versus Kurt don't
1: Angle? Don't say wrestling. Don't say wrestling. Why would you do that? Like, don't <laughs> put that out in the universe and the gods will hear you. And, hey, you know, Dan, Dan wants to, Dan's a good guy. We'll give him what he wants. Don't do that. You know, I, I like I said, uh, I was never a big WCW guy, so I, I never saw the work of uh, Mr. Steiner. Um, but I know he became a big star and I know he was very popular and, you know, I, I can see that from a mile away. What I do remember is like his work rate and his in-ring work at, when he was, you know, part of the signer brothers with his, with his brother, Rick. And I just remember how great those matches were. And I, I don't know, like, you know, as you get older, like things, things slow down and I I can understand that, but I'm not sure if he still works like that or. And I haven't read reports on the house shows, whether the response has been good or not. He's a very exciting character. I'm not, I am I'm interested. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I'm interested to see how this goes because on paper, like those are two big names. Those are two great names. Like, you know, and hopefully triple, hopefully triple H is healed up by then. And he can, you know, work a good match against Scott Steiner. Uh, if you put those two together like on a match graphic like it definitely appeals you know it's it's a great look i i'm just gonna see how this happens and see what happens the uh the way we built to it um is strange i don't know if it's trying to make triple h look bad on the way there but then wwe booking you know the 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 challenger always gets the upper hand or whoever is losing always gets the upper hand during the build so i i don't know it's it's a it's a confusing thing but i'm just going to sit back and sit back and watch these these um muscle-bound men just go at it uh
0: yeah i'm um, interesting is is one way of putting it um boring is what the word i would use to describe it Again, I I like to think that it's it's been picked up on my view of the show and the characters and the wrestlers that have been involved in Armageddon and throughout the show. But I'm just not gravitating to Raw in the same way that I'm being gravitated towards SmackDown right now. And this is probably the encapsulation of it where we've got a guy who was debuting at Survivor Series. And then one month later, he's the number one contender for the World Heavyweight title ahead of people like Booker T. Um, and all the other mid-card challenges. Now, I I understand that we went through a whole elimination chamber where we eliminated Jericho, RVD, Booker T, Kane from this sort of world title equation. But then my response to that would be, why don't you just do the three stages of hell match, the Royal Rumble, and we have a normal singles match for the world title which and Shawn Michaels that only goes 20 minutes rather than 45 instead of having Scott Steiner going there and I'm also concerned about his you know the fact that Roy mentioned this on last month's show and that look we need to see how Scott Steiner holds up in with his in-ring work first before we can make any conclusions and I was assuming that he would be entered into a program with someone like Christopher Nawinski, who he was interrupting on Survivor Series or someone like Christian or Chris Jericho, who are the most really solid, dependable wrestlers you've got on that royal roster to to bring him up to speed with this style. And he just hasn't he's just gone straight to Triple H. And even though he is very, you know, excellently talented with this style, he, he is not a universally good wrestler. He can have bad matches with people if they are not clued up. But wait, wait, he has a very methodical, slow style, and I just don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, I'm just waiting to see who this, who the person that's going to challenge Triple H is at WrestleMania. Is it going to be Shawn Michaels? Because that's the only person I feel right now is on the level of Triple H to to challenge for the title of WrestleMania. We've got RVD's been burned, Triple, Kane's been burned, Michaels has been burned Jericho, so here it can't be him. Booker T's in a tag team, like it why don't you just put Goldberg in with Triple H? Like, that's, like, a, a sensible decision. Hey, that's actually I do, eh? Rather than, yeah. than have The Rock and Austin potentially having a, a rubber match. I don't know. Just, the minute Raw seems to be devoid of stars and they just burn through the the, the big match, I feel, um, in a B show. And I don't think Scott Stein is that level. So, yeah. look, we'll I'm see gonna... how it goes.
1: You know, all those names that you mentioned are more than capable of putting up a good match with Triple H and it's just the presentation like they all they all had some really bad losses and were taking out of the title picture and it's just like triple h and sean is the only thing up there and we'll see if we take scott's here so it'll be funny if he proves us all wrong like if if we get an awesome rick flair kind of performance from triple h because now he's got him on his side and i'm sure he's getting all the advice he can from flair and you know scott just comes out and it suplexes everybody everywhere. It'd be crazy to see if if it's a good match, but it yeah, I didn't think about it. I don't know who would be the challenger for Triple H. I guess you can I don't think anybody would be mad if R V D is in there. You can just you can just hotshot him in there and nobody will complain about it because he's a guy so talented and exciting.
0: Look, there's tons of talented people on that roster who would be like, oh yeah, absolutely put him in for the world title, but it's got to make sense from a storyline perspective. It can't like, we haven't, there's no an angle works because it's a dream match that we haven't seen yet. We have seen Triple H versus RVD and RVD lost, you know, on raw and on pay-per-view Kane. Oh my God. I mean, don't need to mention what happened with him and Triple H and now Shawn Michaels a bit murdered for So yeah, we will see. I mean, look, Scott Steiner's got pedigree. He can have great matches in his um, big papa pump state. I just don't know if he's got the, he has not shaken off the ring rust yet. So I'm hoping it's like a five minute sprint. That'll be brilliant. But Triple H doesn't like five minute sprints. He likes 25 minute long, epic matches and promos. So we will see. I have my doubts. But anyway, that's, concludes this month's proceedings and also this year's proceedings. Uh, so yes, thank you very much for joining us in our final month long discussion. As always, we will be having the end of show awards coming up the end of the year or even the beginning of next year, depending on how our release schedule lines up. But, Dee, thank you so much for joining us as always and thanking me. Uh, thank you for guiding uh, your thoughts and your comedy stylings on Al Wilson, um, which I'm sure you'll be absolutely delighted to talk about next month when uh, the the wedding of the century occurs.
1: I just hope he gets a rumble spot. That'd be great.
0: Number 30. You know, let's bring him out. Who needs Number 30. It? But his age was
1: 50 years ago. Thank you very much for joining me, mate. No, thank you so much. I always, uh, I always love coming in and just talking wrestling and just shooting the shit. And, you know, when you say my comedy stylings, it's, it's my actual feelings. It's, uh, I just, uh, I I love pro wrestling so much. And, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate our audience. Your support means everything to us. Um, we're just a, a group of guys that like talking about this particular subject and the fact that you guys are listening, uh, just say, it says a lot and it's a testament um it's a testament of of what we put out and we just we love putting this stuff out for you i love being part of this team and uh just hope to see you guys again
0: and i echo everything that he said thank you all so much for your support throughout uh 2022 but now that we're out of the you know so-called huge bubble burst of uh, wrestling popularity and we're into officially now the Rufus Aggression Era, uh, it's an interesting time where we get to, you know, we're phasing out the the big characters of Austin and, and The Rock and we're entering, we're full blown into the Reign of Terror now guys, so that's always something to look forward to. <laughs> but there's, there's plenty of, of interesting topics and discussions to talk about as we head into WrestleMania 19. Thank you once again, for listening to the Western 20 Years Ago podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on our website on Podbean. Thank you once again, and we'll see you next month for Royal Rumble 2003.